Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Well, I could not have picked a better sermon and a series. I had no idea that we were fixing to begin. I told you about a month or so ago when I preached on the Holy Spirit that I was going to come back at the first of the year and deal with the Holy Spirit and the role that He plays in our lives, the purpose and role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so as we kind of talked about, and uh, one of the main things that I reiterated during when I talked about the Holy Spirit several weeks ago was the fact that the Holy Spirit doesn't just come on us. He's not just trying to, to force himself. It's not in, in that process. The Holy Spirit by nature is a shy person. He by nature is a shy person. And, and so many times when we watch people worship, we're thinking, oh, the Holy Spirit. That's usually their personality. That's usually their way of work. In, in other words, I used to watch people that would, that would jerk or people that would jump and people would do. And I would think, well, why do they? A lot of times it's just when that takes place, part of their personality is to worship that way. And to some people that's scary. I know when I was five, six years old, I'd climb under the pews and watch people all doing their thing. And, and I would think to myself, okay, I don't want that. But on the same sense, I would watch people get healed. I would watch things take place and I would watch miracles and I would watch, and I would think, I want that. And what I had to do in the growing and understanding in the Holy Spirit was that he works with my personality. He works with, because I grew up, then when I had a call on my life, you can imagine, I wanted to be like those preachers. I wanted to be, I want to kick and I want to preach and I want to, you know, and I'm thinking, God, why don't you come on me like that? I mean, I want to only just go crazy and, and God's like, that's not you. I'm like, duh. And so for every person, there is a personality. There is, and the Holy Spirit comes and he aligns with you and he works with your personality. Now, don't get me wrong. Every one of us need to be filled with the Spirit. My prayer is that every one of you will have the baptism, be filled with the Spirit. But it, it's not going to work and it's not going to react on you the same way that it does me. This is, you would say, well, I don't want that. Well, then you're not wanting what Jesus wanted. That's what Jesus wanted for every one of his disciples. That's what Jesus, what Peter preached that they would receive in the moment they believed is that you would receive the gift of the spirit. That was the first sermon ever preached by the church. So it's not a matter of, of if God wants this. The problem is, is can I find in my mind a mindset to where I can allow the spirit to work in my life and be in my life and him being this shy side, here's what always happens. He will always pr promote Jesus over himself. So how do I know if the Holy Spirit's operating correctly? Or the Spirit's, even in Corinthians where Paul corrects them and says, look, you're not acting. Why? Because what you're doing isn't promoting Jesus, it's promoting you. And he says, you know the difference because anything the Holy Spirit's ever going to do is always going to be about promoting Jesus. It's always, if, if you say, well, I want, I want the power of the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit's going to look at you and say, well, you, you want to be more like Jesus. And that's the way it works. So this morning, let's work from this understanding as you turn in your Bibles with me to John 14, John 14, verses 16 through 27. So what the Holy Spirit then becomes is several different areas. And I'm going to give it to you by words that we're going to deal with. 
And the word that we're going to deal with today is the word paraclete. The Greek word paraclete. And, and what that literally means is it is one who is a helper. So the first thing the Holy Spirit is in my life and what Jesus taught the disciples that you need more than anything else. And in the world we live in and all the things we're dealing with and all the issues that we have and all the information that we receive, the best thing that we can ever have in our life this morning is to have a comforter or to have a helper or to have a teacher or a paraclete. In fact, when you're looking at that word, that's what it means. It, it, the word helper is what we would describe it as. Paraclete is the word they would use. But literally, listen to how it's translated and what it means out of the English. It means comforter or to be a helper or to be an advocate or a pleader. It, it is one who advocates or instructs or defends. If, if you had to put it in terms of, of law or anything like this, it is one who stands before all of our enemies and all of our judges and everyone in front of us and says, I am the one who goes before you and defends you before every situation and every circumstance. Think of it in the spiritual sense. You have to think about it that way. So anytime there's a moment in my life where, where I've got to go deal with something, let's say I'm fixing to go into a hospital, and, and I'm thinking, God, I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know what to tell that family. I, God, I don't know how to pray for this situation. I don't know. You say, Brother Lot, you run, I run into that every day of my life. At, at 3 o'clock yesterday morning, my whole world changed to a degree to where, okay, God, I've never faced this. I don't know how, how do I stand in front of my mom and my brothers and my sister? How do I slash be Tim at the same time I'm pastor? How do I, how do I, I don't have any, but here's the key. I realize that if Tim will just move forward and just decide that I'm going to press forward, I have someone who is with me who says, I'm going before you and I'm going to prepare and place everything in his way. All I need from you is not to be afraid. You remember the disciples when they came back, John and Peter, and, and they'd been beaten, and the, and the Pharisees had told them, don't talk in Jesus' name anymore, and, and, and they, they went back to the, to the group, and they all gathered together, and they told the testimony about, oh, man, I'm telling you, God did this, and we stood in front of them. What did they pray? They didn't pray, hey, we need to see more miracles. They, they didn't pray that, hey, we need to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what they prayed. Give us more boldness to preach the gospel than we've ever had. Why? Because they understood that if I just had the boldness to do what I'm supposed to do, if I just would, in sitting at Christmas this year, if you were sitting there this year and, and, and inside you saw your kids and your grandkids and something in you said, you need to tell them about the Christmas story. You need to tell them what, what Christmas is about. You need, you need to tell them that it's about Jesus being born and who he is. And, and you're like, I don't know, Lord. I'm, you know, that's just not me. And, and I, I may start it next year. I may, and you didn't do it. Guess what? You lost the opportunity, not for you, but you lost the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to use you. All he was needing from you was the boldness to be able to say, I'm going to go deal with it. That kid that you're struggling with, they're in the room, got the door closed, and the Spirit speaks to you and says, go in there and pray with them. And you're like, they don't want to talk to me. 
They don't want, and you walk in the room and you're like, I want to pray with, I don't need no prayer. Well, okay, fine. I won't pray. No, no. It, it, it is the understanding that what God's calling us to is the boldness to be able to say, give me the opportunity. I will be your comforter. I will be your advocate. I will be your fighter. I will be your champion, but I need your boldness to be able to come in and stand in a situation and say, I'll stand in the gap. I don't have the power or the ability. I can't win the battle, but that's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to just by boldness proclaim what God says. And when I do that, the comforter, the one who is fighting in front of me and for me, who walks beside me, says, I got you. This is, this is the key to our spirit. It's what the enemy doesn't want. What he fears the most is not you, but he fears that you will bring him who is stronger than him, that you will release him into the situation. Listen to how Jesus says this to his disciples in John 14, beginning at verse 16. I will pray the Father, And he will give you another helper or comforter or paraclete, the word, that he may abide with you how long? Forever. You say, but I messed it up. He's got one goal, to be with you forever, to work with you forever. I think we miss it sometimes when we see Jesus dying on a cross. Let me see if I can explain it this way. When Jesus dies on the cross and he's looking toward the temple, and the Bible says that the, the veil inside the temple was rent from top to bottom. That means that it wasn't done by man, it was done by God. Okay, I want to show you something. Who tore the the veil? The Holy Spirit. We always think, well, the veil was, well, who tore it? Which side of the veil was he on? He was on the holy side. And at the moment Jesus died, the worst thing the enemy could have ever wanted took place. Because from the inside of that temple, the most powerful part of the Trinity, the one who is active, not the Father who speaks, not the Son who advocates, but the power of God, the Holy Spirit grabs the and rents it and says, now, now I can come out. It's not that we can come in because Paul later says, when you come into the holies, 
You don't come in to receive power. He says, you come in to the holies to make your confession or to make your profession, to give your request. He said, you have access now to come into the holies to talk to the Father directly. But listen to me, what tore the, the, the tent, what tore the veil that day was not God the Father trying to say, I'm mad, y'all made me mad. It is the Holy Spirit on the inside saying, I have been waiting for this time to finally be able to be free. That's why he says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He is your comforter. He is your God. So Jesus says, I'm going to pray another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, verse 17. But because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be. Now, now we don't have a problem with he dwells with us. Because we pray that all the time. Boy, did you feel God in church today? Man, did you feel that? I'm telling you, when they sung, I could just feel, I mean, they had goosebumps come up on my. We, we don't have a problem in our Christian world with somebody saying, boy, the spirit moved. He, he dwells with us. But where we kind of get off track is when we understand that he also wants to and desires to and longs to and is supposed to dwell in you. I love moments where he, he moves. But I also love moments where I know he's moving. And it takes just as much power, in fact, more from the inside than it does from the outside. So he says this, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Verse 18. Let's just continue to read. Verse 19. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. At that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in. The day of Pentecost was not about just some Pentecostal, some powerful move or getting into arguments of whether they spoke in this language or that language. It's not about that. What it's about, it's about the moment where the Holy Spirit says, things have changed. I'm with you. How long? Forever. I'm not leaving you. I'm not going to leave you like orphans. I'm not going to leave you. I'm with you. Through good days, bad days, I'm there. I'm right in the middle of it. And at that day, you will know that I'm in my Father. You, you won't have any problem knowing who Jesus is and, 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 and what it's about. and All of that will be easy to understand. Not only that, and you in me and I in you. He said, the world can't receive this. Some of the craziest things we ever do is try to get worldly people to live right. You, you'll, you'll, you'll wear yourself out trying to tell people that really don't believe, hey, you need to not do that. You, you ought to stop that. You know that ain't right. And they're like, by whose standards? I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean it ain't right? Felt right to me. It's only when you 
receive only when you know can the power that is within you begin to work through you. At that day, you will know that I am I'm in my Father and you in me and, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved of my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? How is he going to do that? Listen to what he says. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my what? My word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who do, does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things have I spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've ever said to you. Listen to me. There's a, there's a, a catalyst for allowing the Spirit to be the comforter in your life. And, and the enemy knows this. That's why we have Facebook and all the CNN and Fox News and all this stuff. That's why you have all the instant things you get and reminders and, and, and any type of pop-ups and anything. It's, it's why you have so many ways of communicating and connecting because the enemy wants one thing more than anything else. He wants as many voices going in your head as possible. Of all the things, of all the things that I, if I could change anything about our society, it would be that one thing. You're like, what about crime? What about, it would cure crime. It, 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 would, it would cure suicide. It would cure, if I could get people to quiet all the voices long enough. For that voice that says, I will be you, with you for how long? For his whole purpose is to be with you. If I could just get you to quiet down, be still long enough. We walk into church and we're already talking about what we got to do at 12 o'clock and 1230. What's got to go on today? And, what's this? and we go, oh, Lord, I just got a reminder. I just got this. To just quiet down long enough to realize that the Holy Spirit whom the Father has sent is your helper and he is the voice of truth that is trying to break through all the other voices. And if he can, he will bring into your life comfort. He will bring into your life comfort to know that it's okay, to know that it's all right. So yesterday, while I was going through the life situation with my dad, what I needed more than anything else was, was all the voices that were going off, memories, thoughts, people saying this or, or, or having to figure out that or where we're going to do this and how the details are going to go. And, and, and inside of me, what was crying more than anything else was, can you just be quiet? Because I need to say something to you. 
And what I'm going to say to you is going to give you the ability to do everything you're going to need to do. But in our world mindset, what we think is, if I get all the stuff done that I need to do, then I'll have peace. Isn't it? That's why we make lists. That's why we do. Because in our minds, we've been taught, if you get all of this done, then you can have peace. Oh, if I could just get this house clean, I'm telling you, then I, I could sit down. No, your couch is still there whether the house is clean or not. You could sit down anytime you wanted to. Couch didn't move. If I, could just, if I could just get a few things straight in my life, I'm telling you, it would be so much better. It, it, man, your blood pressure, well, if you had to deal with all the stuff I have to deal with, your blood pressure would be like. The problem is we from a world mindset think that if we can calm all the voices in our mind, we'll finally have peace. But listen to how Jesus says it. I won't leave you as orphans. I don't care what your life is going through. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what's going on at this moment. Listen to me very carefully. You are not alone. The worst feeling in life is to feel alone. To feel like there's nobody there. Nobody to talk to. Nobody that cares. Nobody that listens. And Jesus said, of all the things I can send when I leave, I can send angels. I can send the power of heaven. I can send, but what I want you to have more than anything else, Peter, more than anything else, John, more than anything else, Simon and Matthew, what I want you to have is I want you to have the understanding that there is somebody with you and you are never Alone. My presence will be with you. My guidance will be with you. My love will be with you. And finally, my peace will be with you. Let's start. It says, verse 27. Peace then, I what? It's not that you have to obtain it. It's not that you have to earn it or that you have to do something to achieve it. Your lack of peace this morning that's in your life is not because of your wife or your job or your kids. Your lack of peace this morning is simply because of the voice that you listen to. I'll be talking about my dad over this next... And, and you think about, okay... if. What is it that he gave into my life? What is it that that man did that impacted me so much? Now, I'd love to tell you he was a perfect man, so everything he did. No, there's some things that are like, I don't want to be like DeWitt. In fact, we joke about that, don't we? There's characteristics of people like, you're acting like DeWitt again. Like, don't call me that. Anybody ever had to deal with that with your family? You're acting like your mama. Don't, act, don't tell me I'm acting like I don't act nothing like my mama. And you're smiling like, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, you really do. I ain't going to say that. I'm just going to walk away. But there are also parts that the Holy Spirit uses. And so, so when I look at my dad, it's like, what is it that I'm going to miss? 
What is it that I have to make sure that I got? And it's this one thing. It's this one thing. It's that my dad had peace no matter what was going on around. I go back in my mind and I see us leaving one church and packing up a U-Haul and going to another church. And, and I, I see my dad, you know, at, at work sometimes coming home with his hand all bandaged up because the wood press had knocked off two, part of his finger. And I'm thinking, okay, that's a good time to quit. You're raising four kids and it ain't going good. Just life is tough. It, just, just quit. He'd come home one day with his truck and the whole front end of the, of the windshields blowed out. And we're like, what happened? He left one of the little Freon cans that was supposed to be for his air conditioner. He didn't think about it, left it up in the window. It was 97 degrees that day in the windshield. It exploded in his truck. What did dad do? He got up the next morning, found a crack he could look through and drove to work. Through all, all my life, what I saw was someone, no matter what was thrown against them, no matter what the odds, no matter all the opportunities to say, that's enough. It's too much. I'm not going to work. I'm, I'm just going to find a new life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own thing. I'm going to... And yet he got up. And he did another day. And he did another day. So in my life, when I look back, so you may not have had someone who did that. You're going to have to find someone in that quality. But I guarantee there's things you learn from every person that you've been around. If you look closely, some of it's junk. You've got to throw it away. If you look carefully, the Spirit will speak to you and say, look, look what I pulled out of that. And so when I think about quitting or I think about giving up or I've gone in my life, I can't tell you how many times I've thought about my dad and I think about, this is crazy, I'm, I'm through with this. And, and I think of my dad, I'm like, well, my dad went through a lot worse than this. What would he say if I went and said, I'm quit, I give up? Like, son. Don't even talk crazy like that. And for every one of us in here, that's the peace that he wants to give us. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives, but I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let me show it to you from the Apostle Paul. Go with me to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church which is at Corinth with all the saints who are at Achaia, grace to you and peace, notice now, grace to you and what? And peace. See, if you don't know and you don't walk in the Holy Spirit, this will be a hard word to grasp. 
If I look at you and you say, Brother Lot, I'm going through this, and I just look at you and say, Well, just be at peace. What do you mean, be at peace? Just, just be at peace. I can't. I got all this stuff going on. Oh, you think like that. You think once you get all the stuff situated, you'll have peace. Oh, we're talking about two totally different things. When I say be at peace, I mean quiet all the voices around and listen to the one voice that speaks truth over your life. Grace to you and peace from God. Isn't it amazing how if I preach on grace, none of you have a problem? If I I come up here and say, you know what? God is full of grace. He wants to save you and give you his grace. Oh, I'm so thankful for the great, amazing grace. I mean, we don't have a problem. But if I say, now I also want you to have his peace. Oh, brother Lot, I'm trying. I'm like, no, 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 no. You, 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 you accept his grace. Yeah, well, they accept his peace. Well, I'm trying. I don't, I don't need you to try. I don't need you to do anything. He said, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, but as I give. So Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. There's that word. All comfort. The comforter. Listen to what he says next verse. Who comforts us in So on his side, he's saying the only reason you don't have comfort or peace right now in the situation that you're going through is because why? It's because you won't receive my comfort. On my end, I've already given you everything that I can give you. I've already done. Let me see if I can explain it this way. Will this chair hold me up? Now, I may have messed with it before the church started. Do you think it will hold me up? Because I could have unscrewed one of the legs. Just one. You think if I unscrewed one leg, it would cause a problem? So if I sit on this thing right now, what's fixing to happen? Who told you one of the legs were unscrewed? I didn't tell you it was unscrewed. I said, what if I had unscrewed it? But the moment I started to sit on it, you're like, I wonder what's going to happen. It's a chair. What do you think's going to happen? What's a chair designed for? To hold you up. But Brother Lot, you said it might. I know it. Just like the thoughts in your mind about everything in your life, this might happen. This could happen. But what's it designed to do? 
Well, the Holy Spirit could let me down. But what's he designed to do? To give you all comfort. Well, well, he may leave me. But what's he designed to do? To never leave me. Well, where does all that? From my own thoughts and my own stresses and my own work, I've allowed the other voices to take away. I mean, if I took this somewhere, I said, what is this chair built for? I just took it out in the yard and said, what's this chair? Somebody's like, to sit in. You think I got to sit in it? Well, duh. Yeah, it's a chair. But see, I didn't tell them all the things I told you that it might be unscrewed or it might be. I, I, just, I just asked them, what's it designed to do? It's designed to be set in. It's designed. Well, when God said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, what's he designed to do? To give you all comfort. Listen, who comforts us in some of our tribulation? No, that's your mind. He comforts me in all my tribulation. So where else would I want to be at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning after I lost or, or one of my family members or somebody has gone on to be with the Lord and, 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 and I'm, I'm just, you know, they're out of sight right now and, and I can't see them and I got some thoughts and memories and I got all this anxiety and everything going on and, and all this. Where would I want to be? I want to be where he said, Tim, there's a 100% chance you're going to get comfort if you come and sit where I told you to sit. Where else would I be? And that's what my dad taught me. Not through what went well in his life, but all that went wrong in his life. You said, Brother Lot, that ain't the way it's supposed Well, then let's, let me show you something. Who comforts us in the absence of all our trouble, right? No, for him to bring comfort... I must do what? Be in trouble. God has a design. That we then, here's the key. Why did God do all that he did through my dad and for my dad and not for my dad sometimes it seems like and and all the struggles, why? Who comforts us in all our troubles that we may be able to comfort those who are in. There would be no Tim Lott if I had not watched the trouble that my dad was comforted through. And he gave me the confidence to believe that the God who comforted him would comfort The only reason things got built or done or, or dreams got dreamed and all of this is because I watched somebody trust in something that he's told me, Tim, it can't fail. But what if it fails, Tim? It can't fail. But dad, what, I mean, and I wish I had time to tell you the thousands of stories. One, I've told you a few times, and I'll tell it one more time. It's just simple. We moved to Montgomery, Alabama. We had nothing. The clutch went out, spent the last $120 we had to put a new clutch in halfway to there. We drove up with a 63 Chevy with a U-Haul trailer hooked to the back of it. All our stuff, no food, just all our stuff. We walked into the parsonage. They showed us where it was. We walked in. 
we sat down on the one couch that it had and we just looked at each other. And I was thinking, way to go, Dad. Boy, I tell you what, you are one anointed man. Well, I hope I grow up to be an anointed man like you. Me and my family can starve on a couch in a strange town. I, I, this is what I'm thinking as a young kid. Because, see, I've got to watch this. And, and, and I remember my mom and dad, my dad looking over and saying, well, let's pray. And, you know, what are you thinking? Ain't no sense in praying. Praying is what got us here. God told you to come sit on this couch. You got to remember, that wasn't the Tim Lot now. That was the Tim Lot then. And I'm thinking, man, what kind of dad do I have? I got the worst dad in the whole world. I got an idiot for a dad. Nobody has a dad dumb as my dad. And he's standing there. He knows what everybody's thinking. Let's pray. Then he sits back on the couch. Thinking, at least go out and try to find, get a job, do something. Maybe they just sits on the couch. A few minutes later, knock on the door. One of the members that we hadn't met yet, it wasn't Sunday, so we hadn't met anybody yet, but they'd heard we were moving in that night. It had like four or five big old bags of groceries. And my dad just smiling. Thank you, God. Thank you. I had thousands of those moments that taught me you can spit on the chair, you can sit on the chair, you can stand on the chair. That chair is not going anywhere, Tim. He will comfort you in all your tribulations. So when you get in moments where you don't, you're way over your skis, don't worry. He's there. When he's asked you to do things that way too big for you, it's okay. He's there. He is the God of all comfort, who comforts us from all that we may be able to comfort those who are in with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ, listen that says, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation abounds through. We have to go through it so that we can smile and say it's okay. So this morning, I'm sitting on the chair and I'm telling you, it's okay. I don't see, Pastor, how you're able to deal with that this morning. Because it's okay. One comforted me so that now I can come and comfort you. Let me put it to you Jesus' way. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And the only way I can serve is if I already know that all my needs are already met. 
How can I love that wife, Brother Lot, that's just hard to love? Because I know God already loves me. And since I know I'm already loved, I'm not requiring any more love. How can I be faithful? How can I get up and go back to work? It's just tough. It's just, I know it. Because he's already said, I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, if I need a door open, I will open doors that nobody can open. And I will close doors nobody can close. Don't you worry about you. You just be a comfort for others who are going through the same thing. Because they don't have what you have. They can't see me. But you can see me. They can't see it. But you can see it. My dad could see it when I couldn't see it. And later, I was able to see it and see it when others couldn't see it. In your life, this is why you go through your troubles. So that God can show you how to see so that when that kid, that coworker, that friend is walking by you and they're going through it, then you can say, it's going to be all right. How do you know? Because I can see it. I can see it. He won't let you down. Will you stand? Go with me to one more scripture. 2 Timothy 3 and 12. 2 Timothy 3 and 12. They'll pull that up. Here's what it says. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I don't like death. I don't like sickness. I don't like the troubles I have to go through sometimes. I don't like the life that some people seemingly are are, are stuck in. I get frustrated. I, I, I imagine myself many times thinking about Lazarus. And thinking about the poor man and the rich man. Where there was this rich man that had a good life. But no peace. And then there was this poor man who the dogs licked his sores. And he, and the Bible says that he died and the angels came and, and he was comforted. a lot of times in my life if I could get this or get that or get this situated God says to you're looking at it wrong in your life there will always be persecution there will always be some more tears coming there will always be some more struggles ahead but let me give you my promise 
you will never be without peace. And you will never be without my comfort. And you will never go through anything that won't prepare you to be a comfort for someone else down the road. That's my promise to you. And therefore, it makes life enjoyable. Because when the enemy says, I'm doing this and I'm going to hurt you, God smiles and says, yes, but I'm allowing this because I'm going to bless him. That's the story of Job. What the devil means to kill us, God says, I need to temper you so I can bless you. For whoever you are in this room today, I didn't come today to be comforted. I came today because whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're facing that's frustrating you, chair won't fall you can sit in it you can put all your weight on it you can be at peace because if he's allowing you to go through it he's also got a blessing on the other side to share with someone else I don't know who you are in this room or what it is these last weeks or days or months life is broke God woke me up early this morning to make sure you heard what he wanted to say to you will you bow your heads Father whoever they are right now whatever life is and all these voices that keep going and they keep confusion for just a moment I hope that it's been silent I hope for just a moment it's been silent long enough for you to speak. To speak peace. To speak comfort. Because what Jesus wanted us to have more than anything else, first and foremost, was a comforter. I'm sending you a comforter. One who fights for you. Talks with you. Walks with you. One who will never leave you, won't forsake you. One who lives in you and works through you. Father, thank you. Because today I need him more than I've ever needed him. This is a new trial, a new test. And I need your peace more than I've ever needed it. And that person that's there in this congregation that says, me too. And I speak that right now you throw all your weight on him. If Pastor Lot can throw all his weight on him, then you throw all your weight on him. And you trust in the one who cannot fail.
May the Lord bless you. Hope you've had a great start to your new year. It's going to be an awesome year. Give the devil fits.